Welcome to an episode of the Defo Mohapi Show, hosted by myself, Defo Mohapi. Thank you for taking some time out to listen to this podcast. The show explores the impact whether famously or infamously some of my guests have had on the world, their views on the state of the world currently and what they think needs to be done to make our world better, or at minimum, how we can all get along better and do better. Make sure to head over to radio.iafrican.com, that is radio.iafrican.com, and subscribe to get notified on new episodes of this podcast and other iAfrican radio shows. I hope you find this episode insightful. There's a saying that someone is sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree long time ago and if I look at a city like Shenzhen, which is where my guest uh, on today's podcast, David Lee, has his office in, it sounds like a city that was committed and had plans to becoming a great city from the rural city that it was some decades back. Would you agree with that, David Lee? Yeah, well, I think Shenzhen is now, about, I mean, the, 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 the center is one of the newest cities uh, in the world. Uh, the city is only uh 39 years old 39 uh, years yeah so in 1980 Shenzhen was the first special economic zone in china when they set up the special economic zone Shenzhen is just a collection of 15 fishing villages uh okay. with 100,000 people uh and now we are a metropolitan about 15 million and Right now, the Shenzhen GDP is ranking the number three among the Chinese cities. Wow. And it's also very interesting contrast to the neighborhood Hong Kong. Yes. In 1980, Shenzhen is barely 0.1% of the Hong Kong GDP. Uh, last mm-hmm. year, we surpassed Hong Kong and in terms of GDP. And now, we are still, Shenzhen is still growing at about 8% a year. Well, that's incredible. And I mean, what, what would you say, especially from an electronic side? I've, I, I looked at, uh, I know you're involved in maker spaces and innovation in Shenzhen. And, and when you look at the history of San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and you look at Shenzhen, one thing I've picked up that's quite similar is that both cities' foundations seem to have been started from uh, hardware or, or, or chips or, yeah, electronics hardware uh, f- foundation in terms of where they are from and where they are today would you say that that's what formed the 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 foundation of shenzhen to where it is today compared to silicon valley as well uh yeah well i think uh shenzhen is actually developed in the rivers uh so silicon valley is where everything gets originated uh in the 60s the semiconductors uh what we call the modern ict industry got started in uh silicon valley with fairchild Intel and the so many of the semiconductor companies started uh, over there, and mm-hmm. in on the flip side is the Shenzhen started as this uh, cities for the well outsourcing. So Shenzhen actually, if you think about uh, a, a mobile phone or, or computers, Silicon Valley developed from the core all the way to the outside, uh, yes. and Shenzhen actually developed from the outside all the way into the core. And uh, when you say outside, you mean the mobile phone, not the software. Yeah, mobile phone, or you think about any electronics. So Shenzhen yes. really started in the 80s and 90s. Uh, the primary things Shenzhen does for, I mean, back in the 1890s, it's the PC. Uh, yes. Shenzhen started with the casing, with the keyboard, with the mouse, uh, and then it's slowly going inside, uh, taking more part of the uh, whole computers. And then right now, send mobile phone i see so it well yeah i get what you're saying when you say from the outside so it was more the hardware from the outside and up to today where you guys are doing the inside but what would you say contributed to to i mean this is quite remarkable if you're saying that it's 39 years that's quite a short space of time to go from a city of a few thousand people to, to to becoming a world leader in electronics what would you say contributed with things like the working culture they contributed or are there different factors one of the primary reasons I think makes Shenzhen uh, extending that fast, and it's also the uh, also 
differentiated center from the other innovation hub uh, is the center uh, is a place where technology gets becoming commodities. And the other thing is the Shenzhen does serving the whole world. If you think about Silicon Valley's, uh, they yes. introduce a new product, and but the price of the product is so high. Even though they are global company, they are actually just the global top 5% uh, of yes. the people who use it. Uh, if you think about Shenzhen, is the Shenzhen not only service that 5%, uh, more importantly, is the Shenzhen also service the other 95%. If you think about today, speaking in terms of mobile phone, uh, yes. if you look at the global shipment of mobile phone, uh, number mm -hmm. one is Samsung, number two is Huawei, number three is Apple, number yeah. four, I think, is Oppo, and number five is Vivo. And, wow. and then all the top five takes about less than 50% of the market. And then that's the other 50% is probably composed of uh, hundreds, if not thousands of companies. Where are they from? So here's the interesting part is the, if you look at the global mobile phone today, Samsung is a Korean company. Apple yep. is an American company. The rest of them are all Chinese company. And almost all of them was started and headquartered in Shenzhen. So Incredible. if you look at, Samsung and Apple, they combine about 20 some percent of the global mobile phone market. So we can say the Shenzhen is right now 70 some percent of the global market. Yeah, that's incredible. And now, I mean, I, I initially met you in, in Ethiopia, in Addis Ababa, and I think what caught my attention is a tweet that you put out about talking of mobile phones, about the mobile phone manufacturing shops and and it speaks to your statistics now because you're saying the 70 percent of global mobile shipments are smaller companies that are mostly from Shen, mostly from shenzhen but from china and in ethiopia you mentioned that you know there's i think 20 or even 40 smaller manufacturing companies and my question is about how can we learn from shenzhen i mean what what are the, some of the lessons we can learn to try and sort of push the economy in Africa, number one, and create jobs. And because if, if, if I look at Shenzhen 39 years ago, it's a lot like what some African cities are today. A little bit rural, not much development, but if it can transform itself within 39 years, what can we do similar to Shenzhen? What can we learn to, to move forward? Most African cities today are more modern than Shenzhen 40 years ago. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, if, if just just look at it, and this is the, the really interesting find on this trip to uh, Ethiopia. Uh, is the Right now, there are probably about 40 mobile phone factories just near Addis. Just and near the, Addis. These, just to clarify, are these assembly plants or are they also manufacturing or is it a mixture of different ones? So right now, it's primary assembly, uh, okay. but this actually first internet in the nineties. The, the the part gets imported, and also mostly from Shenzhen, and they get assembled in 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 Addis. So the, I mean, but that's the beginning. So the right now the culture is starting to emerge. So the so if you look at the mobile phone, that's and typically we look at the the process of manufacture and especially this kind of the uh, distributed manufacturer. Uh, that's the, 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 the whole phone, the whole product import. And then that's the SDK, SKD. Uh, yeah, SDK. SKD, uh, semi yeah. uh kits. And then yes. CKD, the complete knockdown kits. And then okay. that's the assembly. So if you look at a mobile phone, it's a screen, casing, circuit board, and a couple of components. So a lot of the, a lot of the uh, stage uh, is on the uh, SKD assembly. Um, but right now, very quickly, because there are a lot of SKD assembly, right now there's quite a few of them is going to the CKD. Mm -hmm. And now there are um, people coming in and trying to starting up the SMD which is the doing the surface mounting for the circuitry. This is in, in, the, in Ethiopia, right? This is in Ethiopia. Yeah. Uh, this is exactly the same trajectories. The good thing is the, the, the 
to rethinking about mobile phone is the right now I think there's still a temptation to think about mobile phone as or many of the ICT project as the I'm going to uh, still that Silicon Valley ideas of the oh I, we have a garage something revolutionary is going to come out of garage and it's going to be mobile. Yes. But one thing to remember is the even in I mean just think about. Africa today is 1.2 billion people and 40%, 40, 40, 40% of the mobile phone penetration, 40, 50% of the mobile phone penetration. For nothing else, that's another half billion customer out there. And mobile phone is not, you don't necessarily have to create anything different, but uh, try the, the mobile phone is getting cheaper. Uh, the part is getting cheaper and that's, ecosystem is very open. So yep. that's huge amount of opportunity presented to regionalize and localize the mobile phone brand. Uh, and that's what's happening in, I mean, I mean, the most obvious place to see this is actually Africa. Uh, right now, the number one brand in Africa is not traditional Samsung and Apple is nowhere to be seen in Africa. It's techno. Yeah, yeah. Uh, transient holdings, yeah. Transient holdings. And Techno in, in Fix, I mean, they, they own a couple brands, but Techno yeah. to be the biggest one. They own, I think they own Infinix, Techno, and Itel, right? Yes, they own those three. And those three combined is currently, what, 40% of the African market. We've already seen the impact of Shenzhen is making the African ecosystem looks very different from other places. The, you have the number one, which is uh, not traditional large global player. And then that's also a huge amount of local player. A lot of brand of mobile phone exists in Africa, doesn't exist anywhere else. So, I mean, just another example, the brand called Old King. Yes. ING. Yeah. Uh, I think Old King is also, it's East African only. It's East African only, yes, that's right. Yeah. So the so what we're seeing this very I mean the, the the impact of Shenzhen is starting to be really be play out in the in the ICT sectors the the very eager very uh, energetic uh, young entrepreneurs who's taking on uh, the opportunity to serve the market uh, mm -hmm. which is not well served by global brand and really get into the market. I mean, even Techno is feeling the pressure right now. Now they are at the number one spot. So coming back is the rethinking about this is the mobile phone itself is actually a huge opportunity and foundation to be built. Right now we are talking about the, I mean, you hear about that people talk about, oh yeah, the, the mobile phone is not growing anymore, but it's actually, but it's not growing at the stage of there's still a billion replacement every year. Uh, there's still a billion shipment every year. Um, mm -hmm. Huge amount of them is happening in developing countries. So I was about to say, because I think, I'm sorry to cut you there. I think what I've noticed is that analysts and in the Western world and some who are like who work for financial services company across Africa tend to miss the Shenzhen sort of growth and influence because they tend to look at the world from their point of view, which is a point of view of high-end smartphones, of, of Samsung, of, of Apple, etc. And they're missing out on seeing the lower-end type of phones, like feature phones, and some of them, as you say, are just regional. So I think that influences a lot of the narrative around the growth of the mobile phone industry. And from what you are saying and from some of the statistics coming out of China, it looks like there's still an upside in some markets it's for, for mobile phones. That's huge upside in, um, I mean, in, in India, in Africa, in, even in Southeast Asia, that's a huge, we right now still at this ideas, I mean, the ideas of digital divide, the West look at it like a disease, like, oh my God, yes. poor people don't have access to digital. How do we fix yes. it? To, to, how, yes. how, and, but, what we really see on the grounds in place like Addis Ababa is, well, this is entrepreneurial opportunity. I mean, two, three billion people are now served by the ICT and it's a huge market. I mean, even the $10 mobile phone at three billion people is a $30 billion market. That's huge. Yeah. 
and that's plenty of space for a lot of people. And so I think that's once missed, once really missing. And this is, I think, coming back is a lessons we learned from Shenzhen is the traditional outsourcing economy. I mean, the four dragon of Asia, Japan, and the and Japan, Korea, Taiwan, Singapore, Hong Kong, when they are developed as a outsourcing uh, economics uh, in the in the seventies and eighties. From their eye, that's only about a billion customer in the whole world, which is three、mm、hundred -hmm. million in North America and about eight hundred million in Western Europe, and that's the that's the scope of the global outsourcing、uh, back in those days. But when it becoming to Shenzhen developing in the ninety, especially in the two thousand, Shenzhen really discover uh well there are another six billion people out there. Uh, the need exactly the same thing as all this rich country has:、uh, mobile phone, computers, ICT, all of these things. It's needed. I mean, it's useful in in the global north. It's useful in the global south. And the only difference is the it's only one billion people in the global north, and there are six、yes. billion people in the global south. In the global south, yeah. And this is the what. Makes Shenzhen interesting is the Shenzhen prosper not because it's this traditional cutting edge, caving to the every need of the global north. Ah,、uh, is the the Shenzhen's ability to open up that technology sectors. So there are people service the global north, but then it also empower people to service the global south as a huge entrepreneurial opportunity, and that's why. It's interesting. Is the people keep asking like, oh well, how is the this U.S. China、uh, trade war is impacting Shenzhen?、Um, yeah, it's actually not. I mean, right now we most people is like, yeah. I mean, the 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 the, the exporting to the U.S. to to Europe is basically a frightened business.、Uh, it's practical. It's not exciting. It's not growing. Yeah, it's not growing anymore. And the real future growth is in. India is in Africa, and that's why this huge excitements and and right now this excitement is being further encouraged by the IPO of the Transium. Transium, Transium, yeah. Yeah. Now they are putting they are putting Africa、uh, front and center、uh, in the limelight、uh, in terms of the that so that's huge amount of excitements、uh, and this is what Bill Shenzhen is the. We don't grow one big company. It's not. I mean, if you think about this, if you take out Samsung, I mean, Korea doesn't have a mobile phone industry. No,、and、it's the, it's the one big one. Yeah. Yeah. Or、and、even if, electronics. It's it's the biggest electronics makes it. Yeah. If we take out Apple, I mean, American has no mobile phone industry, and、That's、so,、right. and when you take out The number two, which sandwich between Samsung and Apple, which is Huawei. If you take Huawei out of Shenzhen, we are still about sixty percent of the global market. No,、uh, as you said, there's there's plenty smaller smaller manufacturers that are servicing the world. Yeah, and they are getting smaller. They are not getting bigger. They are not. They are not. They are. Right now, people are excited to be running a brand in even in Adidas, shipping half million phone at twenty dollar each.、Um, Is a good business, and you get hundreds of people who's exploring that business. That builds the ecosystem, and this is kind of what we are seeing there. And this is what the how the Shenzhen model works. It's not about one big company. It's about an ecosystem to providing opportunity for a lot of people. Anyone who wants to push their hand into it and say, "Okay, well, I can take a piece of this." Mobile phone market, and whether is hundred thousand units or a million units,、um, doesn't matter. It's the it's every segment you have someone attending to it. And that's the model I, I think I like because it seems like, and I saw this with Transion, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, with Transion as well. So the mobile phone seems to be, as you say, uh, uh, the foundation of the ecosystem. So they start with mobile phones, sell、uh, quite a number of them into into West Africa, East Africa, etc. 
And then once they've got good market share, they start building on that ecosystem. So now they've got content services. They've got uh, the Boom Play music service. And I think they're also starting to, to put on e-books. Uh, they've got an e-store as well that's doing that for African literature. So, so and, and it seems to be, uh, and this is where we can also start talking about some of the work that you do with the open innovation. It seems to be sort of the culture or the way things are done in Shenzhen that we build a sort of open source innovation ecosystem which everybody can contribute into. And as you say, that results in not one or two big companies being built, but a lot of smaller but still good business companies being built. Am I right in that assessment? I mean, that's exactly what Sentent represented. It's not about that one big company with a huge marketing, and but it's about the platform gets opened up. So anybody who's, who has idea to serve uh, whatever particular group they are looking at uh, has the opportunity not having to build everything from scratch. And that's what we are seeing a lot of them uh, these days, uh, especially, I mean, it's actually very incredible. It's the, I mean, just go down to any of the mobile phone shop in, yeah. in, in Africa, I mean, just on the street. I mean, the variation, the variety, the functionality of the mobile phone. I mean, just walk into any of the shop in, in, in America, or in, in Europe. I mean, yep. phones are boring. Every single one of the phones looks like iPhone. I mean, they do. They all it. try to look the same. Even Samsung and tries to look like and iPhone. They look the same, right? And I mean, and, but when you walk into, uh, when you walk into a, a, a mobile phone shop on the street in Africa, I mean, you get mobile phone with super battery. I mean, a month standby, a month standing by time. That's uh, right. Phone with I mean, TV antenna receiver, phone with FM receiver, uh, yeah. phone with, which with you which you which you don't have on the on the iPhone, by the way. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, just the diversity and the variation of mobile phone in Africa is. I mean, that's my boggling. I think that's. I mean, for most of the world, cannot even believe that kind of phone exists, but they are part of daily life. I mean, and I think that's phone with gigantic speakers. So that means the, I mean, that market really is not driven by narrative, but it's actually been driven by real user need. Correct. It's not driven by marketing or analysis or anything like that. It's, as you say, it's driven by people who seem to know what the customers want. Aggressively working with the customer. Uh, and then also they, they're not limiting themselves into oh, this is the only model I can run. I mean, they continue to explore different kind of opportunities. I mean, of course, what Techno is doing in Africa is been reported, but there are a lot of small uh, mobile phone packages. Uh, they are not, not been reported. So in at least we interview this, this guy is very interesting. So he went to Addis Ababa probably four years ago. Okay. Uh, just by himself, uh, bring about $50,000 and starting a phone company. $50,000? Yep. Wow, that's not much eh? for an for a assembly plant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just set up a small assembly plant, starting to bring, and but what they're focusing on is the, well, I mean, there, there are a lot of underserved communities uh, in Africa, so the opportunity is really open. I mean, that's one of the amazing things is the, People don't realize how much of the opportunities out there, uh, the, the kind of reach they can get to. And, yeah. one, and one thing is, one thing he's like, he's talking about is the, and over the years, uh, one thing really helped him to build the system is they actually customize the system, running things like, oh, if you, you, you turn, you turn on the machine, I mean, when you get a machine, you get one year warranty. But then there, there, there's a small program in the in 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 that say, okay, well, uh, if you send a message back, we're extending your warranty for another nine months. Just for that, he built up a, a customer database, and it, he, he's wrong. He's he's not running a, a just a mobile phone. We think about mobile phone distributor, so he's he's really getting to know his customer, and he's carrying on conversation with his customer, and so. 
in his office. He, he, and he racked up this very funny system in terms of the, there's a PC connected to about 20 different phones uh, yeah. with a small CRM system. Just carry on conversation, SMS conversation with their customer. And is this manual conversations or does he use some sort of automated system? Both. They have, they have a staff uh, who actually handling uh, a lot of this conversation. They send message out when there's a, a, a holiday, especially the local holiday. And if they have the, the user providing them the birthday, they would also send out the birthday greeting. And this is very small things actually differentiate himself from the market. So after three years, I think he's shipping somewhere like half million mobile phone a year. Not a big business, but a pretty, I mean, he's living a good life there. Employee about 90 people, assembly, yeah. and and yeah, I mean, you, you see, that's actually the the beautiful thing to see is actually how mobile phone open up this small entrepreneurial opportunity. I mean, yes. with $50,000 getting things started, walk himself up to uh, a couple million dollars a, a year business right now. And he right now he's calling Ethiopia home. Yeah, which is good. I mean, he's creating jobs as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 if you came to Shenzhen in the 90s, you would see very much the same things. Shenzhen was started with a small fishing village. So most of people coming to Shenzhen is an immigrant. Okay. And they come in and they're pursuing the same opportunity. I mean, the, the city as a platform, the ecosystem here as a platform to enable everybody to make phone. And now you have to answer the question. You, you, you don't need to answer the question whether or not you can make a phone. You have to answer the question is the, who do I make the phone for? Yes. Uh, and yeah, and, and people think it's very surprising kind of the, 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 the business of this commoditization. But if we think about this, is the, this is how every street market look like. I mean, you walk into a street market and there are 10 different vendors who just sell well, vegetable or sell, I mean, meat. And that, that's what makes street market. That's no, I mean, that's no MBA behind one of the stands says, okay, this is our strategy of dominating the entire street. We have to <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, no. Yeah, I mean, everybody got their piece of the share of the community. Uh, they compete and they also work with each other. So the, once we starting to look at Shenzhen is really a place where we get the ability to turn what we think about as high tech into a piece of commodity. And when it becomes commodity, the market looks like a street market. And it becomes, it, it becomes cheaper too for the customer, right? Yeah. I mean, every customer at every level, as long as they are out there, uh, there are people to figure, try to figure out how to serve them. And I think this is the big difference and this is what grows Shenzhen in the past 40 years. We get to grow that fast, not because, well, I mean, for the past 10 years, it's probably the same trajectories as the traditional outsourcing. Um, but for the past 30s, uh, it's more as the city starting to turn technology, ecosystem starting to turn technology into commodity. And then the discover, I mean, the realization of the global north is not the only market. That's a huge opportunity in the global south. And that brings me to the next point. I mean, there's a, which is a weird thing that some people say and some analysts and some media like saying is people like raising concerns about Africa-China relations in terms of trade and sort of raising red flags about, I think that the, the usual term that people like using is uh, Chinese colonialism or something to that effect. And I think I've got my personal opinion on, on that, and I don't think it's it's valid. But what's your views on that? Because from my point of view, let's take Addis Ababa as an example where you talk about mobile phone industries. You have people who've come there and created an opportunity that didn't exist before. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, if you look at the early development of China, I mean, the modern development of China from the 80s, I mean... In the first 20 years of, China, of China's development, they, they carry a lot of debt. I mean, yes. they carry debt to the U.S., they carry debt to, the, to, to Japan. The debt turns into infrastructures. I mean, you can build anything, but if you don't have a, a, a freeways uh, to ship the stuff out, 
and if you don't have a port, you don't have airport to get these things out of the country, you will, you, you're still stuck at the same thing. So I think the first stage is driving the infrastructure. And I think infrastructure is, has been missed in a lot of the developments. And I mean, infrastructure costs money and you have yeah, to borrow that's money true. from somewhere. And if you look at the history in the, in, in, in the past, in the half century of international development, they are rarely the long trying to give, try to bring infrastructures uh, to Africa. I mean, the, that's right. There are a lot of projects is that oh, that's that's a hungry that that that's a that's a city that's a village who are hungry. Uh, let's go get some money, bring some food. Let's go drop there, take some pictures, planning a mission accomplished flag, and then go home. That's right. That's actually true. I mean, that, that, that's how a lot of international development works. I mean, of course, you do that as charities. I mean, you, it's nice. You get a photo op, but then when you left, there's nothing there. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing left. There's no infrastructure. Yeah. And right now, I think, of course, this step infrastructure thing, it's the China is pushing out is the, well, this has worked here. Of course, the, it, it depends on country to countries to, Take this idea, but I think for the first stage is really building up the infrastructure. And for us to look at this is the well, once you have infrastructures, you need entrepreneurs. And what does that entrepreneur look like? Well, they don't look like Silicon Valley's. They don't look like, I mean, they look at the guy. They look like the guy on the street market. They look at. They look like the people from the street markets. It's right now you have infrastructure, and instead of, well, I mean making coffee, making pastry. Now they can go make mobile phone. They can go make other stuff. And I think that's the second stage of the development we are already seeing happening. Uh, and we see a lot of the um, Chinese taking down the opportunity uh, because, well, this is what has been done uh, in China for the past 40 years. There's no, I mean, you are not going, we're not going to get into a philosophical debate on whether or not how to make a mobile phone. Don't need to hire a whole bunch of designers. It's like, well, let's design the next big phone for Africa. I don't need to. I just need a small piece of this Ababa market. Or, and, that, and that's big enough to, to start a business and hire people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, and that's really, one thing we are doing in the Center Open Innovation Lab is the we try to highlight this. We try to get people to recognize, well, as ICT entrepreneurs, it's no longer the ideas of the of I have to create the next big things. Um, but that's also another side of opportunity is well, mobile phone is big, rapid growing. And why are the entrepreneurs leaving it on the table? Because TechCrunch of some two 20 something years old writer sitting in the US is writing a blog post about mobile phone is yesterday. The future is VR and AR. Uh, <laughs> they, have, they, they haven't walked the streets of, of social Google, Soweto, Addis Ababa in Africa to come see that that's not the case right now. And, oh, that's not the case in Silicon Valley either. So, so yeah, and, but I think that, narrative is very strong and it actually is putting people from looking at to think about oh yeah i mean let me go let me let me go starting a, a a mobile phone let's let me go starting a mobile phone company just to starting to just by serving the people i see underserved in my community there are a lot of weakness of the big company and if you, the other thing to look at from the on the chinese side is the is the relentless to exploiting the weakness of the giant, the Achilles heel of the giants. So the so one of the more obvious example is the this. I mean, the volume of e-commerce is huge in China. Uh, if you look at the trading volume over the Alibaba's domestic e-commerce platform called Taobao in China. Yeah, uh, I know Taobao. Yeah, so Taobao right now has about three times. Uh, the trading volume uh, versus Amazon, and Jeez. Amazon local. that's local, and this is well one countries. But the when you look at this, is the look at outside. I mean, the e-commerce platform that's Amazon, and of course there are the the Amazon copies like Jumia in yes, Jumia is more West Africa, right? Yeah, it's uh, more West African. 
And Even though they're struggling in that market as well, but it's more West African. Yeah, and you get Caddy Mall, which is uh, East Africa, mostly Kenya. So that's the first generation of the more Amazon-like platform, but you can already see a lot more variations. And that's also what happened in China right now is the, as big as Taobao is, uh, Taobao is facing furious competition from new companies. So there's this new company called Pinduoduo. Okay. It's it's listed in the uh in I think oh yeah it's listed in Nasdaq. The stock symbol is PTD. And the, the 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 company started five years ago, and right now they a month a few months ago they just become the second most valuable uh, e-commerce company in China. And I think they are the third most valuable e-commerce company in the world. And all this is only five years old. And they got there because they recognized, well, all this fancy Amazon-ish platform, they serve the urban area very well. They are mm-hmm. terrible in serving the rural area. So the, so yeah, so Pindodo uh, started by, well, how do we service the rural area? What does rural area need? And the formula is the, well, uh, rural, there are a lot of agriculture, and all the farmers has the they every years, uh, good years, bad years, and in the good years they have a lot of uh, access. They have a lot of the they they grow more than more than they can sell. They went in, they helped the farmers to get rid of them. I mean, traditionally, if you don't get rid of them, those things go back, go rotted in the field, and uh, then you lose money. Yeah. Yeah, and you lose money. So that's how they got started. And now you are you 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 and and the good thing about helping the farmers to get rid of the excess is the those things are almost pure cash for them. That means that they are uh excess and don't new income. Um and now you have basically they are disposable income. So yeah. once you have disposable income, you want to upgrade your life and the the brand driven the brand driven company they are selling stuff expensive, uh, and the other thing what Pidoto end up doing is the they use the combination of glue buying and then go straight to manufacture. So That's rather than go, I mean, you 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 go to their website, their app, uh, you see a fifty inch LCD TV for hundred fifty dollars. That's that's yeah. quite a good price point. Yeah, well, that's actually what reflected the manufacturer price. So they're like, well, now we, we want to go to manufacturer and just order the whole batch. And yeah. How do we take the volume? Well, now uh, we need to do group buy. We need to do kind of the coupon idea, but rather than concert ticket and events uh, or restaurant, uh, you are looking it's at manufacturer scale. That, yeah, things that people that need, yeah. Then, yeah, and then well, the, now you get... You help farmer. You help the farmer to get extra income, and they want to spend extra income on something. And then you offer them opportunity. Hey, it's a hundred fifty dollar fifty inch TV. If you want it, well, now we need to we need to get to this number. We need to get to the order of uh, ten thousand units. So now go invite your friend. Go invite your neighbors. See, I see the model. Yeah. And I mean, this is a very straightforward understanding is the, well, you help people make money and then you can spend it. Yeah. Then you you help them spend it on things they need. So that's how, and this company came in out of, it it, it was founded in 2015. And in four years, they are right now by trading volume. They rank about number four in the world. That's crazy. And oh, and this is under this is actually happened now under one of the most furious competition of e-commerce in the world. So that let's continue to have those kind of opportunity to look at is the the, the technology doesn't have to. I mean, the, the the problem right now is the we have such a uh, I think globally there's such a mindset of. Silicon Valley. It has to be something novel. It has to be something to. No, it has the, to be some something out of this world, like life changing, etc. Oh, and then you have to convince of all this. I mean, the company in, in the West, they live and die by well, 
the media. I mean, they have yes. to post. Um, I mean, basically, uh, high income, urbanized, millennial. I mean, that's like the only group everybody is pitching to. That mentality, I think, has spread a lot. And so I keep hearing uh, entrepreneurs uh, we are working with saying, okay, oh, well, look, this is something we just read on TechCrunch and we are doing the same thing. I was like, those, th- those people are not even figuring out who wants their things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you are leaving these huge things on the table. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I think they are right now, uh, there are huge opportunity gets left on the table. Just the kind of things happening in the in in the mobile industry in in Adi, in Addis Ababa was very funny. Uh, yeah, they are local assembly, and yes. then then that's also that's also the that's also the the, the smuggling of mobile phone from Kenya into Ethiopia. <laughs> <laughs> so they move they, they they move those units illegally between the two countries. Yeah, yeah, and by mail. <laughs> That's interesting. You, you know, you know the trail. I mean, the border between Kenya and Ethiopia. I mean, for hundreds, even thousands of years, there are people moving stuff in between the region with mule on this very small... Yes, yes. The, the, I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the history. I wasn't aware that it's already happening, especially with my mobile phones as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, I mean, it, it's very, the, the, the import tax into uh, Kenya is cheap. And once you get it yeah. into Kenya, then, well, you, you, you smuggle it into, into Ethiopia. And that's another, that's another part of the uh, opportunity for brand creation. I mean... Same kind of opportunity, but people are exploiting it in all different ways. This is very, I mean, this is very strict, and and that's the beauty of it. There's no one correct way to do it. As long as you can deliver, as long as you can build a, a, a sustainable business, no good. And do you think, I mean, now that we've talked about Silicon Valley, which is totally different from Shenzhen, do you think from an African point of view, and you travel Africa quite a bit as well, and knowing both Shenzhen and, and Silicon Valley, do you think from a technology point of view, electronics point of view, this is the Shenzhen model is more suited to, to African conditions and what we should look at for guidance in terms of developing this industry? Well, I think we need both. I mean, yeah, Silicon Valley gigs is nice if you can convince venture capital to give you a couple million dollars to do something. I mean, that's nice, but right now I think the, it's been, what's been missing is that's a huge opportunity, huge business and entrepreneurial opportunity being left on the table in terms of the, well, what happened when you cannot commence the VC? Well, there's still another side of opportunity to explore in terms of the, as an entrepreneur, you might not be able to raise $50 million, but yeah. I mean, you can start a business. You can, I mean, the entry level, the, the, the market entry to this is even lower than that. But the, but I, I, I think one thing I see is the, it's, there's no, both model are valid, but the, they are one part of it is very under explored at this time. That's huge amount of the relocal. I mean, the ICT, is becoming more of a cultural object than the technology object. Uh, what do you mean? It, 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 there's a software that's user experience. That's a communication. Yes. I mean, yes. The, 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 um, if you think about a mobile phone and everything else come after it, uh, is the, they're not, I mean, yes, they still have their function as a communication, but also they, have, they, are, they are a portal into a world of digital service. And a lot ah, of I see. Yes. service today, they are local. And that's a, that, that's no a right way to use a phone. I mean, this is not Silicon Valley. You can hold the phone any way you want it. Yeah. And so the, and this is another thing is the, we really see a lot of this is, I mean, that's a huge exporting of the, the local attempt uh, to provide digital service and the more local context. Just look at uh, the ride sharing. They are right now, I think, yeah, in Africa, it's down to city level. Uh, there are a lot of actually local, I mean, large city with their own ride sharing service, deliver service. I mean, in, 
in in Addis Ababa, I counted six. Right, and those yeah. are on, and they only operate in that city, only that city. Yeah, uh, only operating in one city, and yes, and they are also pretty good business. And when they establish that foundation, and they starting to explore all different kind of business models, uh, based on the, and that's a very big diversity. I mean. I think for another thing is the if you look at the Silicon Valley model, it's really just gold thing, gold a very very thin there. That's why we still cannot get a a phone to call a Google customer service because they believe in the really really thin model of service. A lot of for a lot of things they don't apply in a lot of this cultural context. People are people are beating Ubers. I mean. Uber is getting kicked out of China by DD. Uh, it's getting yeah, kicked, I saw that. It's getting kicked out of Southeast Asia by Grab, and now Gojek. And I think they are losing because it just doesn't make sense a transition between me and a drivers all in one city, and thirty percent of that goes to Silicon Valley. That's actually a good way of looking at it. I never thought about it that way. I mean, what what they do is basically just connecting me and Another a local mobility service, and that's so much of the uh, local service can be done uh, today. I think it, it's really be able to look at what has happened in China and what is also happening with the Chinese business in Africa. Uh, it opens the windows for the it should open a window for the local entrepreneurs to think about well, entrepreneurship is not just one models. It's that's Diversity of models for that yeah for opportunity. I mean, a lot of thing has been happening here in especially in China. Is the uh, they came out because it's feeding uh, things gets happen because it fits a local need. And the huge another idea, another things to starting to change the mind is the well this whole ICT things. Um, now we are getting to the place where the ICT industry is becoming very open. Think about, I mean, let's just take AI as an example. Yes. I mean, traditionally, if you want to get to get to be an entrepreneur in the area, uh, you need to access to the knowledge. I mean, traditionally that means the things get locked up in some university. But today, Coursera, all of this service, I mean, MIT Open Course, I mean, they are putting. Anyone in the world with the internet connections uh, can take a AI class from Stanford, from MIT. So the the knowledge is pretty much out there. The technology itself, um, I mean, everybody uses TensorFlow anyway. Uh, it's all open source out there. What look at Shenzhen is fulfill the 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 third one is the the access to production. At the end of the day, an an ICT product is basically uh, the knowledge inside it. The technology runs on it, and the piece of hardware who run who execute it, and all these three are now so open to the. They are now so open to be used by entrepreneur anywhere. You can easily take them and solve the problem, uh, finding a local problem to solve and build business on, around it. I tend to agree with that, and I mean, as we wind down and close up, what next for Shenzhen? I mean, it, it definitely is dominating the the global world in terms of electronics, as you've mentioned. But what's the next phase? Are we going to start seeing Shenzhen moving into sort of emerging technologies in a in a more aggressive way? I know they've already started like artificial intelligence and and all those technologies like blockchain, maybe some cryptocurrencies. I mean, no cryptocurrency. It's illegal in China, but I I think one part of the Shenzhen is still continue going to play the role as a very open supplier to aspire entrepreneur. Think about Shenzhen not as a city to compete with, but think about Shenzhen as GitHub.、Uh, as GitHub, ah,、uh, I like that.、GitHub、yeah, for hardware. Yes, because it's very、And、open source community. Once you starting to think about this. That way is the now the 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 and the Shenzhen has this、uh, because it's open.、Um, it has this developing model which is called a supplier driven. Yeah. So rather than one company try to build everything,、uh, it's the we have very fine layer of suppliers. 
who's, I mean, if you look at the mobile phone, they are supplier for the camera module, for the optics, for the casing, yes. everything. Uh, and every one of these supplier is now pushing the technology envelope. But when they make something, they are not going to go and sign an exclusive with one of the large company. Uh, when they make something, they are trying to make this as widely available as possible to, yeah. to the best access to the market. So it's, I mean, this, this is this this is the same with five G technology, right? With uh, some of the licenses and yeah, uh, patents yeah, I mean, that that Huawei owns. I mean, it's not just for them; they use it for they. It's open for anyone to use. Well, I mean, they they they, they are they are opening up, but if you look at that, the the the, the suppliers, um, well, I mean. Qualcomm, uh, right now, that's another company making a lot of the, one of the fastest growing Chinese company regarding to African market. It's a company yeah. called, so if you, if you open a lot of phone sold in Africa, especially feature phone uh, and uh, the low end Android phone, when you open them up, uh, you, you see a chips from this company called Spectrum. Again, if you read the press, you, Kind of was thinking about, oh, that's only Qualcomm who's making the chip for the mobile phone. Oh my God, Apple is making their own 5G chips. But <laughs> the reality is the, well, Qualcomm is, uh, Qualcomm is a major player. Apple is niche, but one of the biggest competitors to Qualcomm is this company called MediaTek. Now the Spectrum is catching up to this opportunity. Spectrum is so widely used in terms of the, um, and Spectrum is one of these companies is really booming benefit from supplying technology to, as a technology supplier to their customer who are the people who's building mobile phone. And a lot of this mobile phone today goes to Africa. Uh, even, even Samsung. I mean, if you open up some of the Samsung models in Africa, they are also based on Spectrum. They're not based on Samsung's own chips. They are based on yeah. the Spectrum chips. That's the, so vendor like this, they will continue to push the next generation technology because they are big, they, are, they can afford it. But they, on the other hand, they will continue to keep themselves being open so they can, they can access to as many partners as possible. This is a huge advantage of the Chinese ecosystem. Uh, it's very open and it's very supplier driven. So rather than trying to, one company trying to create the next big technology, uh, we get community who try to create the next big technology, who try to apply the next big technology. So even now the, the AR, the VR, uh, they are all very available. Actually, it's, it's very interesting is the, we once worked with uh, uh, entrepreneurs in Lagos. Yeah. Uh, Try to, so they came up with ideas. So in, in China, you can get this all in one VR headset in for about $70, $80. Okay. And so they, they came out and they tried to run a business in Lagos. So Nigerians spend a lot of money on wedding and they, they try to document everything. And they, I mean, videos, photos, very extravaganza in terms of the, so they're like, We'll go in and shoot VR photography and videos for the or, wedding, and then they will they will put they they will they will, they will print the, the 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 name of the, the 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 bride and the groom on the VR case. Now they can actually experience their own wedding in well in virtual in VR. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean that that I mean VR is not something you have to be the next big things to be in the business competing with. Uh, Facebook and HTC. I mean, even the small ideas, and that was a very interesting ideas. But the team got too busy with other stuff; they did not carry on with that ideas. But it's a, it's a, it's a sound, it's a sound business. And I would love to actually see a couple twenty years old kids running around and say, "Okay, well, that's a great idea. Now let's go do it. Get let's in. execute on it." Yeah, let's execute on that. I mean. That's always waiting somewhere. And they say, and as you say, a lot of money is being spent on those weddings. Yeah, and that I, I see. I mean, that's a money on the table. Uh, nobody is taking. So there, there are a lot of very interesting fun applications, especially you 
factor into the local context. Starting to think about that it's a mean to a business. It's not an end to the business. The idea is starting to change. Uh, the, the perception of the technology is starting to change that way. Uh, it opens up a lot of the uh, business opportunities. And we see a lot of this starting to, I mean, ecosystem in Africa is emerging much more like China in the past 20, 30 years uh, yeah. on the technology front. It's, but I think that's a lack of the communication about what this looks like uh, to a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, so it's kind of interesting is the, when I, when I discovered this, when I was treating this, people was like, wait, you mean 40 factory, 40 phone factory for all Africa? Yes, yes, yes. No, it's just a piece of about. Yeah, uh, and that's what, I mean, that's what got my attention. It was crazy because when you tweeted that, or when you said that, it was at a time when I think in Rwanda and in South Africa as well, there's this new brand of smartphones called Mara smartphones. And they were being, they were also opening assembly plants and they were being celebrated as the, the as the first among the first to be on the continent and when you said that i'm like wow this is this is very interesting so there is a whole totally under the radar market of smartphone assembly that's that oh not smartphone but mobile phone assembly that's happening that we are not aware of no they assemble smartphone too so and i think that's that part of it is the that's this Still, very Western narrative of the oh, the, I mean, the technology coming out of the garage, and then that's this very huge upfront to do this. But at the same time, the other side is also happening, and I think they are not, they are just not getting enough of the uh, attention, and this is yeah. uh, leaving a lot of the leaving a lot of the opportunity unexplored, and. I, I think the first generation of the Chinese vendor building up these infrastructures uh, in Africa already. But in order to take this to the next stage, uh, we need, I mean, this is needing uh, more participation of the local entrepreneur. As an outsider, that's only such an extent we can understand. We can- The local market, yeah. Into the culture. And that's always an advantage on the local side to rethinking of, I mean, to take this to the next stage in the making this user experience more uh, locally acceptable, making this, uh, making more interesting application content, content, uh, infrastructures. I mean, I was in Kenya, I was in Nairobi two years ago. And one thing I was surprised is the how many of M-Pesa application is out there. And it, yeah. it's kind of interesting to talk to Kenyan uh, developer, right? I mean, one way to look at M-Pesa is they have it for what? By now, it's almost two years. Uh, they, they have it for so long, they don't even think about it as a technology anymore. And so integrating M-Pesa into everything is... Comes, and But if you come back to rethinking about how would that narrative is the Kenya actually have the most advanced mobile payment in the world. And and in China we are scanning barcode. In there they can actually they can actually just I mean they can practically pay and charge from any device. So it, it is it's sometimes the 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 technology gets developed not because of a breakthrough but because of very particular understanding into the local need. Uh, it's just in the past, the, the, the access to knowledge, the access to technology, the access to production was very geographically restricted. If you think about Silicon Valley in the 70s, it is literally the only place on earth where a 20-something years old can have access to a cheap component to build computers. In terms of knowledge, they have Stanford Berkeley over there. In terms of technology, they have all the semiconductor Company, companies there, yeah. The area and the production is the, I mean, in the 70s, Silicon Valley was the center for the world at that time. That's where all the electronics and ICT were produced. And yeah, and by cheap, illegal farm workers as well. Uh, 
that was that, that was a very interesting read, um, history book on, on Silicon Valley to talk about the Silicon Valley of the seventies. Uh, that's actually tons of the tons of the the uh, company over there uh, hiring illegal workers uh, from the farm to assemble computers. Interesting, David. Uh, I think to wrap up, and as I said when we started, I find Shenzhen a very fascinating place given the history that about 39 years ago, as you say, it was just merely a thousand people in a fishing village. But it talks to the quote that I was saying, like someone, you sit in the shade today because someone in the past built a tree. And I think that's the model Shenzhen has been adopting. And I hope we can learn as Africans from that too. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Defomohapi Show, which is broadcast by iAfrican Radio. To be notified of future episodes of this podcast and any other shows from iAfrican Radio, please visit radio.iafrican.com. That is radio.iafrican.com and subscribe. You can catch future episodes on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to leave us a review and rating of the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow me on Twitter at Tefomohapi, which is T-E-F-O-M-O-H-A-P-I. And also don't forget to follow iAfrican2 on Twitter at I-A-F-R-I-K-A-N. Hot. <laughs>